Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 2.0, very similar to how we hope Howie Roseman has sat down with this Eagles front office and constructed the ultimate roster. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. So you can take a longer, you can shave for the duration of one and a half football games. That simple. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology that's about as fast as the Eagles wide receivers will be running down the field all season long catching passes from Carson Wentz. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Like I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code USP. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into Season 3, Episode 1 of Eagles Enemies. Presented by Underground Sports, Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one Looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut But if I want a game plan for the long run What do I bring to the table, said dumb luck There's a good chance the last thing I pick up Will show up in my sleep and crash all my dreams With some shit I won't repeat Cause it's not what I'm proud of Some heaviness, some pettiness, some things I'm ashamed of Alright, welcome back to another edition of Eagles Enemies Presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, KB Coming at you from Underground Studios, and we've got Monday Night Football on deck against a pretty familiar opponent over the past couple of seasons. Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited, and the Seattle Seahawks are coming into town, and there's only one man for the job to have on Eagles enemies when we're talking Seahawks, and it is my man, Michael Sean Dugar from The Athletic. What's going on, man? Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Uh Sucks I'm not going to be in Philly this year, um, but uh, still looking forward to the game. 
let's get into this Seahawks team. Uh, they've been exciting, to say the least, but uh, give me the lowdown right now on Russell Wilson. He's been turning the ball over at a, a higher rate than we're no- normally used to seeing him, uh, you know, throwing interceptions. What's been kind of the case, in your opinion, with Russell Wilson as of late? Is it a mental thing? Is it, you know, just not enough protection? What do you think's going on with Russ and the, the turnover problem? Uh, well, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be a thing of the past here moving forward. I think he just hit a bad stretch, and it's entirely mental. I don't think he's, like, hurt. I don't think the play calling was bad. I don't think the O-line was, um, you know, struggling in that stretch. Russ was just making a lot of bad decisions. I mean, you look at some of those plays. Um, very rarely was it the case of the defender doing something, like, outstanding. I think in one of those interceptions against Arizona, uh, him and DK miscommunicated so that – like, I understand how that happens. DK thought he was going to uh, break off the route. Russ went deep with it. Patrick Peterson picked it off. Like, that stuff That stuff happens. Um, or even the play, the, the second pick he threw against the Rams, where it's, a, it's like a little speed out to the tight end. Dude just, jump, just jumps it. I mean, yeah, like, it's a bad decision, but, like, you know, every quarterback throws picks. But some of the other ones are just like, dude, are you Daniel Jones? You know, it was, <laughs> it was, very, it was very uncharacteristic. I think he, I think he was getting caught up in his own MVP uh, kind of hype a little bit, which is strange because Russ has literally has a mental conditioning coach, you know. So for him to be in his own head about something and to have a negative effect on him is pretty, pretty rare. Uh, but I don't, I don't expect to see that, you know, continue for the rest of the season, especially with the the teams they're about to play coming up. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the the weapons on this offense for the Seahawks. They've essentially got you know wide receiver one and wide receiver one A. It's pick your poison of who you want to you know cover with your best uh, defender. Who do you kind of expect to see uh, get the Darius Slay treatment this weekend? Is it going to be Tyler Lockett or will it be DK? Oh, it would have to be DK. The thing about Tyler is you can't really shadow him because he lines up all over the place, and even the greatest. You know, quarterbacks in this, or excuse me, cornerbacks in this game just can't play in the slot with someone that that small and that quick. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You look even like a Revis or a Sherm, Patrick Peterson, Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, just even Gilmore, like the best of the best, very rarely go toe to toe with with elite dudes in the slot. I think Jalen's doing a little bit of it now with Los Angeles, but um, for the most part, guys just can't do it. I mean, you look at where DK has really you know, played well against like super good coverage. It's mostly been in a slot because he can't, you know, teams just can't cover him there. He's too damn big. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Slay uh, matches up against him. I mean, best of luck. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. I think Slay's a really good, a uh, really good corner probably like a top 10 guy. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but yeah, he's definitely got a matchup on DK. Otherwise the Eagles are really toast. Yeah. And I mean, Darius Slay's next four matchups are, probably one of the the roughest gauntlet stretches for a corner potentially in NFL history he's gonna have DK he's gonna have Devontae Adams Michael Thomas and then DeAndre Hopkins and then Amari Cooper in five straight weeks Ooh, <laughs> yikes yeah it's not not great good thing he, you know corner corners are always really confident though so like he sees that stretch as hey they gotta do with me I'm sure I've never met Darius but like knowing what I know about like cornerbacks the way their mind works is that yeah he sees that stretch and it's like well all five of these dudes got to see me so let's do it absolutely and let's take a look at this Seahawks defense that has not been you know the Seahawks defense of old and you know over the the past couple seasons you and I have talked about this defense and how you know this team's kind of changing of the guard to being a more offensive minded team but uh, 
what has been the case with this defense and why have they been just, you know, so porous this season and allowing the amount of yards that they've allowed? And uh, what do you think's kind of getting better since, you know, the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap, Jamal Adams is getting healthier. Do you see kind of a turnaround during this final stretch of the season for this defense? Uh, yeah, I think so. some of that will be due to the opponents. Um, I mean, just from a turnover perspective, playing Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones back-to-back weeks is just a confidence booster. You know, those guys are turning it over. I'm pretty sure the highest rate of anyone in the league. Um, I mean, Russ was pretty high for a stretch there, but those two have been consistently just giving the rock up all year. But I think the offseason was bad for the front office defensively. Um, they had, because they weren't, they haven't been drafting well, they had to spend assets, um, to, I mean, they spent like three total picks, no, excuse me, four total picks on two guys in the secondary. Right. And by, and by week, and by week three, I think both of them were hurt and that's Quentin Dunbar and Jamal Adams. And they didn't spend any money really on pass rushers while the pass rush stunk and they had to spend more assets for Carlos Dunlap. But now that, you know, guys are healthy and, you know, those assets are on the field, at least, you know, it's, it's been a lot better. It's crazy. Every all off season fans were just kind of like, Hey Pete, Hey John Snyder, maybe you guys should, you know, get a pass rusher that's dominant because when you have one dude, you know, it trickles down, you know, it helps everyone else in the Seahawks. So it's just like, eh, nah, <laughs> let's just, let's just do this committee thing. Cause Clowney's too expensive. If Clowney was too expensive, then he, then he is. But I just thought there was other guys they could have got to maybe, you know, give their unit a boost and then they trade for Carlos Dunlap because their pass rush was trashed. And then Pete Carroll was like, yeah, no, it really helps to have one dominant guy. Um, and then it really, you know, helps the other guys out. And when he said that, I was just looking like, dude, where was this like seven months ago? Like, of course, everyone has been telling you this, but having Dunlap helps. Um, they had to do a lot of blitzing when they didn't have a, a, a dominant pass rusher and it just didn't work. Um, even though Jamal Adams is a great blitzer, it just leaves the back end too exposed. And there's too many new faces back there, which is why they're giving up a gazillion yards, you know, every week. But I think you'll see a lot of that change now because when you have a pass rush and you don't have to rely on blitzing, you're looking, you know, teams are looking at what seven dudes, six DBs, you know, in the in the backfield or six defenders, you know, in the, in the secondary. So it's like, okay, what do I do? I'm screwed. That's why you saw Kyler Murray not play, you know, super well uh, against the Seahawks, and you're going to see part of that continue with some of these other quarterbacks they have. Now, obviously, the the whole Jadavion Clowney saga came to an end when he signed with the Titans. But was that? Do you think, in your opinion, from everything that you were gathering when he was still a free agent, was there a realistic shot that he was coming back to the Seahawks? And now, seeing you know what he's not been able to do with Tennessee has kind of had a a really down season. Are Seahawks fans kind of happy that the the front office didn't splurge on on bringing him back? I mean, yeah, now for sure, but they were really disappointed all off season, really. And I don't think it's you got to play the process and not the results. I mean, the process of not spending money on a pass rusher when you know your pass rusher is bad is stupid, right? Like I said, they didn't have to go get Clowney. I can understand when I, when I left the combine, I was like, oh, Clowney ain't getting what he nearly thinks that he's worth because he thought he was worth DeForest Buckner type of money. Mm-hmm. I think that's 21, 21 mil. I left the combine thinking, oh, hell no. None of these teams really want to pay him that. They see him as a, like, decent pass rusher and a, an elite run defender. And I was like, that's not getting you 21 mil. Um, you need double-digit sacks, buddy. I don't care. You know, I know, even though that's a bad, like, way to look at it, sacks are not the end-all, be-all for pass rush. But um, 
that's just how the people cutting the checks see it. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters in free agency is how the people cutting the checks view you. Um, so I understood why Seattle kind of lowballed him uh, in that regard. I just disagreed with the strategy of, all right, let's not go after, you know, some of the other guys who were on the board. I can't remember off the top of my head now, but there were, there were several dudes where I was like, okay, if you don't want Clowney, go this way. And they just did uh, none of that. Now in hindsight, yeah, it looks great, right? Jamal Adams has five times as many sacks as Clowney. <laughs> you know, like it, it seems like it, it's working out, not for the Titans, uh, but for the Seahawks. But I think any fan who's like, wow, man, see, I never really wanted him anyway. That's that's disingenuous. Every, everyone here really wanted him. And there were people who were like, yeah, give him 15 million, whatever. You know, um, I thought that was too high. But I, I think to play the hindsight game, like, oh, yeah, no, it's great. The Seahawks didn't do that. No, man, nobody was thinking that in like August. Right. And you look at Jamal Adams now and he's he's got the sack production from the safety position. Hasn't played too much because he's been injured, but what's your uh you know, your vibe and your assessment on, you know, the Seahawks acquiring him and adding him to this defense so far? I thought there was a lot to spend on a safety. I think they gave him two firsts and a third um uh, for, for a safety, which is which is a lot. And they're gonna have to like reset the market. Um for him and think either this year or either this offseason or the next and that's just man that's asking a lot uh but i at the same time i understood why front office was like okay we got to do something and to get our defense back where it needs to be because we're trying to win a super bowl we have it's not even necessarily about having a franchise qb and needing to maximize you know his window russell's window is about as big as anyone's in the league mm-hmm. i was like 30 i think he turns like 32 on monday or something um, so he's fine. He'll, he'll be in his prime for a little bit, but I mean, their left tackle is like 35, right? Bobby Wagner's 30. Um, the other linebacker, KJ Wright, I think is a year older than him. And so you, you got some other dudes, you know, Tyler Lockett's also in his prime and that window is not super long. So, I mean, you've got some, you've got some other pieces you need to worry about, uh, as well, like maximizing their windows. And I thought from that perspective, it was like, all right, we'll just punt on drafting, you know, in early rounds to go all in on having an all pro dude for like another year or two while we got some other all pro guys on the roster. I was like, okay, cool. I, I can see that. Hopefully it works. It looks like it's it's gonna work, I think, because Jamal is a really, really dynamic player and it's probably gonna be a pro bowler again. Um, but yeah, so so far I'm 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 feeling all right about the trade. I have to see though at the end what uh what the Jets ultimately do with those picks, like where they could have been. And I got to see what the, the contract looks like for Jamal. For sure. And I have to ask this, too, because it, it gets brought up here all the damn time. How often do you think this Monday night broadcast crew is going to bring up that the Eagles could have drafted DK Metcalf? Man, that's going to be a fun, like, drinking game. Um, <laughs> or maybe not a drinking game, but, like, a fun, like, bingo uh, board for the broadcast to, like, I would put on there the not drafting DK um, I would put on there uh, Jadavian Clowney's hit on um, yep. Carson uh, in the postseason. Um, I would put how many times they or put them showing um, DK's playoff game against Philly, which is really one of the best games I've ever seen from mm-hmm. a receiver, a rookie receiver. Anyway, that w- that was really ridiculous. There's there's some other like connections there too. I'd have to really go through a list, but yeah, I mean. I was looking through some research for the Seahawks for this game, and I was and I was watching the Dallas game uh, the other night, and I was like, Jesus, my goodness, the Eagles didn't draft 
DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin and then took JJ? Good God, that's a whiff. And then someone pointed out to me that they also took uh, Jalen Rager one pick before Justin Jefferson. It's like, oh my God, that is just, even if I think Jalen's going to be okay, doing that in back-to-back drafts, ooh man, that's that's pain right there. You got Carson Wentz throwing the former quarterbacks out there. That's that's brutal. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I'm I'm cool with Jalen Rager. I think he's going to be a player as opposed to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and there's a whole potential theory of who actually drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside uh, with this organization. But, I mean, I, I just can't wait to see how many times they bring up, you know, D.K. Metcalf could have been an eagle. And I, I think that theory is just so lazy because – Who's to say DK Metcalf would be the same type of player in the Eagles offense that he is with the Seahawks? Like, you're playing with Russell Wilson. You're getting Pete Carroll play calls and everything. I, I just think it's a it's an odd analogy. Yes, they could have had him, but who's to say he'd, he'd still be balling the way he is? I think having Russell Wilson throwing him the ball as opposed to a Carson Wentz right now is a, a big benefactor for DK Metcalf. No, yeah, that that's there's something to that as well. Like, would DK put up these monster numbers with a lesser quarterback? Of course not. But I do think he'd be like their number one receiver. Absolutely. Like, it'd be. I mean, I would take DK anytime. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it'd be very similar to like Terry in Washington, right? Like Terry's yeah. had a bunch of scrubs throwing to him since he's got there, right? But Terry, he's putting up numbers every year, right? Like, I think he's on pace for their like thousand yard season um, because he's just that dude. You know, DK would probably be like that as well and it would just give the it would have given the eagles just another dynamic to work with right that somebody the defense has to double and then you look at like a year like this where the whole end the whole division is trash well it's like all right well if you got the best player in the division which he probably would be i have to run through the division really quick I'd give um that. but yeah he yeah he'd probably be the best player in the division probably depending on how you feel about like i don't know amari cooper or something so yeah you got the best player in the division and yeah he uh that definitely is an advantage and the, the gap between him and jj is just so wide right like does jj even play yeah like that's that's JJ's a big been a healthy scratch this year let's put it that yeah way. see that's that's even if even if dk wouldn't be like a monster with the eagles he'd still be on the eagles exactly. right on a cheap deal like that's what's most important what do you think it is with this Seahawks team? And I know we've kind of touched on this in the past too. What is it about this team? And even before Pete Carroll was the head coach, the Seahawks have not lost to the Eagles since 2008. What is it about, you know, this matchup that, you know, the Seahawks and, you know, in recent years, Pete Carroll has just had Doug Peterson's number. Um, You know, I think the Seahawks have a lot of records like that or streaks, um, that I think are really just a product of them just being good for the the entire decade for the most, the 2010s for the most part, like they were like seven and nine, I think in 2011. And that's the year they didn't make the playoffs and then nine and seven uh, in uh, 2017. But like for the, for the most part, they've just been really good. They've beaten pretty much. I think Russ has beaten every team, I think, except the Chargers. I'm pretty sure, like, Russ has beaten every – oh, obviously, against he hasn't beaten Seattle. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's beaten, like, 30 of the 32 teams. So I don't think necessarily he uh, – Doug just doesn't know how to, like, play a Pete team as much as it's just like, man, Pete's just had really good teams that have beaten pretty much everyone. I think Pete's, like, undefeated in the regular season against Bill Belichick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's – you know, that, I guess that that's the short version of that. Like, Pete can beat anyone. So I wouldn't even really be down on Doug in that way for, 
you know, losing to the Seahawks consistently. How mouthwatering is it for the Seahawks defense knowing they're playing against this version of Carson Wentz on Monday night? That's an interesting – that's one of those I'd have a better answer for if I was in the locker room talking to guys and getting those, like, candid answers. Because we don't really have a guy like Sherm here anymore, Richard Sherman, who, like, I think before they played the Giants in 2013, uh, he admitted that, like, yeah, the DBs are all in the jugs machine this week because um, we know the ball is coming to us. And they ended up getting five picks <laughs> against against <laughs> Eli. I think, Sherm, I think Sherm had two of them. Like, I mean, because they were just those dudes uh, back then. But – I don't think this secondary has the the uh, resume to talk like that or to think like that. They're still a pretty bad secondary statistically. They're still giving up a bunch of yards. Right? They don't have like a ton of interceptions. They're pretty good at first and turnovers. But no one here can be like, yeah, no, we're about to tear Carson Wentz up. Like they can't say that publicly. Maybe they'll admit something like that after the game. But like when you're giving up yards, you know, and touchdowns the way this team did through what eight weeks you can't really just be talking trash to nobody now the guys up front though they man i think the seahawks have had like they like lead the league in sacks since getting carlos dunlap um i'm pretty sure something something like that maybe they're second so those guys actually are probably about to turn up on the eagles front line which i'm reading every other hour is just getting worse yeah Uh, it terrifies me especially now that lane johnson's out for the season and came out and said that the you know the inside of his ankle has collapsed like that phrasing alone just terrifies me not only for now but for the future with Lane Johnson. Yeah, I don't know how old how old Lane is, but like when I read that, I was like, "What? So you're out for the season? Not like life? Like your ankle collapsed, my dude? How did you I didn't even know ankles could collapse." Yeah, he's that is, he's 30. He'll be 31 in May. I mean, if my ankle collapsed, whatever I was doing while it collapsed, I'm done doing that for the yeah. rest of my life. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to keep doing whatever activity caused my ankle to collapse. When I saw that verbiage get thrown out there, I was like, this is horrendous. And now Jason Peters, old washed ass, is uh, going to right guard, and we'll see how that plays out. They finally convinced him to do that because I swear Jason Peters has some sort of, you know, mafia or mob ties in his ear to control what goes on in this Eagles organization because he just gets whatever he wants. It blows my mind. Yeah, I've been talking to more veteran guys about that. Um, It's – it's difficult to get guys to change positions, man. They get afraid. Um, they they really get afraid that they're not going to succeed when you move them. I was talking to um, – I did a story where I watched the game with Cliff Averill, uh, former Seahawks defensive, and I watched the Bills game with him. And that was awesome, about by it. the way. Thank you, thank you. Um, so in the, one of the – this didn't make the story because it wasn't necessarily relevant, but I remember he, he said it like – he's like, yeah, man, in 2016, they uh, the coach went to him and was like, hey, man, I want to play you more at um, – I think it was strong side linebacker um, because they had drafted Frank Clark the year before and they had Michael Bennett play on their five technique and Cliff was their Leo, but Frank was so damn good as Frank, you know, went on to be. They were like, man, we got to get, we want to, I need a way to get all three of you guys on the field together more often. Right. And not just have Frank grind the pine. And I, th- I think what happened was, I forget the details of it, but I have to go check my notes. Basically Cliff was like, hell no, nah. you know, and just, <laughs> And I'm pretty sure he had, like, his best season um, that year at Leo, knowing that, like, his replacement was waiting in the wings. Um, and, you know, sometimes that happens. Uh, Dwayne Brown, uh, left tackle for the Seahawks, they put him at right tackle in the Pro Bowl. And he gave up the game-winning sack to Vaughn Miller. And I remember him after being like, dude, 
I don't know why the hell they put me in. I don't know how to play right tackle. I, people think you can just flip. No, you cannot. It's hard. You see, I got worked uh, by Vaughn and cost us the game. Yeah, it was the Pro Bowl. Who cares? But it's one of those things where the veterans are just like, no, nah, man, I do this thing very well. Don't move me. And, you know, I don't know how Jason Peters got finally convinced, but, yeah, it's it's tough to do that. Yeah, because when they brought him back this offseason uh, and, you know, leading into the season, he agreed that he was going to play uh, right guard because it was before Andre Diller got hurt. Um, and then when he got hurt, Jason Peters kind of held them at ransom and said, if you want me to play left tackle, you're going to pay me more. They gave him $8 million to move to left tackle, and he's just been absolutely horrendous there. So I don't know who – was the one that uh, got him to be convinced to move to right guard now, but that's going to be intriguing. Jordan Mailata now back at left tackle, and I've been impressed by him. But it is interesting that you bring up, you know, the fact that left tackle, it's it's tough for them to move to right tackle because Dillard got crushed last year when he brought that up and said it's like, you know, writing with your right hand dominant and then switching to writing with your left hand. The media here blew him up for that. And just tore him apart. And I know Andre Dillard's your guy. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, man, I felt really bad. My Lyft driver, um, who took me from the stadium, took me from my hotel to the stadium last year. Uh, there was a talk show guy on the radio saying, yeah, Andre Dillard's going to uh, start at right tackle uh, against the Seahawks today. I think it was probably his first start there. And I was telling my Lyft driver, I was like, oh, no, I went to school with that guy. Um, or we went to the same school. I was like, you guys will be all right. And then Andre looked terrible. I was like, oh, damn. You know, whiffed, whiffed on that. But no, man, there's something to what Andre's saying, man. Actually, any tackle, they will tell you that it is very hard to make that transition from left uh, to right. And so I, I, Dwayne Brown, when Dwayne Brown said, I was like, yo, man, this dude's been a pro bowler. Like, I think he's been all pro. Like, if he's saying it, it's legit. I'll even give you another example. Justin Britt, uh, former center for the Seahawks one time, I was like, dude, why do you guys carry an extra, why do you carry a spot specifically for the long snap? Like, why don't they just teach you to do it, save the roster spot and bring in another receiver or corner or whatever? Like, that would make more sense. He was like, dude, I can't long snap. Like, man, you snap every play. I was like, yeah, but it's so different what Tyler, if they're a long snapper, is asked to do. It's just entirely different. Like, you could spend all offseason teaching me. I probably wouldn't get it. And I was like, okay, man, maybe maybe there's something to it. And maybe Justin was just trying to, you know, not, like, make an excuse to cut one of his teammates. In hindsight, I was suggesting firing his friend, but – you know, he was just adamant that he could not be taught to long snap, right? And he snaps literally every day. Yeah, that's crazy. Pat McAfee would, would love to hear that story. Um, have you guys been able to talk to Quandre this week? Because I know him and Darius Slay are, like, you know, conjoined at the hip. They're always tweeting at each other. Uh, I'm sure this is a game both of them have had circled to, you know, finally just kind of go head-to-head -head against each other, even though they're both defensive players. Yeah, no, I, we got Zooms here in about – 30 minutes um so i don't know who the players are they just kind of let us know on the fly but it would be nice to get quandre haven't talked to him about this particular game but he's just he's you can just tell talking to him there's a reason he was a captain in detroit like he just had built a bond with all of those dudes whenever i talk to him about dudes he's played with in detroit whether it was like um man i can't think off the top of my head but like see how they brought like snacks harrison yeah. um over it's like when he when he talks about like for, uh, other Detroit guys like it's it's love as as much of a just like a train wreck that the organization is the players themselves really rocked uh with one another uh but yeah I, I'm hoping to get Quandre here on zoom because I know he'll give us some funny stuff about about Slay that would be absolute gold talking about this offense though earlier 
the running back position this year for the Seahawks has been like a, a revolving door almost with just the injuries and everything. What are your expectations for who's going to be, you know, lining up behind Russ? Uh, I think Chris Carson's going to start. And I think he's going to play well. And because, uh, I mean, Chris is in a contract here, man. Mm-hmm. You're going to catch you- you're going to see a dude, if he starts, which I think he will, you're going to see a dude running like he's trying to get $12 million. Like, you're just going to see that. Uh, he's Chris is a beast. And he's, he's he wants himself to be considered like a top five guy. It's a little tricky. Probably he's a little bit on the outside. I think top 10 is probably a better better spot. But, man, there are some games where I just watch him run through people's face, and I'm just like, man, I can see why he, you know, is so determined to get paid. There's only so many dudes who just run run through people like Chris does, like in all the advanced, like broken tackle percentage metrics and elusiveness ratings and all that. Chris always ranks really high because he's just really good at making people miss. Um, and I think, I think that was against the Eagles where Sean Penny had like a 60 yard run where he yep. plowed through a dude. He doesn't even really run through cats like that. Exactly. So like, man, if, if Rashad's running through cats, like I just imagine, and Chris didn't even have that good of a game. I expect Chris to have a really good game on Monday. What's the uh, what do you think the Seahawks kind of plan is to you know kind of just shut down Miles Sanders and and make the Eagles try to win the game through you know Carson Wentz throwing the ball? I I think my favorite thing about press conferences uh, with Bobby Wagner, at least in recent years, Zoom's been a little different. Was every time that the other team had a really good running back, which is pretty frequent, um, he always gets asked some version of that, like, yeah, how do you stop? Todd Gurley, how do you stop Ezekiel Elliott? How do you stop Dalvin Cook? And his answer, you know, kudos to Bobby, man. He he goes a long way to ultimately just say, hit the dude and get him on the ground. Right? Like it's not it's not complicated. If you get the if you, the dude's near you, grab him, get him to the ground. However you need to do that, you know, make that happen. And that's that's probably the message Bobby's sending to these guys. Like, hey, they give the ball to whatever number Sanders wears, hey, hit him, right? Hit him hard and get them on the ground. Like, it's not – don't overthink it. Like, I think um, that's why someone like Bobby has been so consistent uh, in his career because he simplifies the game in that way. They got Zeke. Well, I'm going to tackle him. They got Dalvin Cook. Well, if he comes to me, I'm going to tackle him. Like, I'm going to put my hands on him and get him on the ground. So, I mean, everybody isn't as good as that at Bobby, but when your your leader simplifies the game in that way, it kind of helps everyone else. So, I mean, my, so I guess the, the short answer is <laughs> they're going to get him on the ground and, and tackle him. And, hey, if they shut down the run early, Doug Peterson will just go away from it and it'll just be pass-happy Carson Wentz all all night long on Monday night because that seems to be the case. As soon as Miles Sanders hits, like, 15, 16 rushing attempts, it, it's clamps. He's done. They they just end it, and it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, well, the thing about um, the Seahawks is the pass-happy, like, offense has worked against them. I think because that was one of the weird things about Pete Carroll um, – Earlier this year, he kept saying, like, yeah, no, our run defense is good, our run defense is good, and it was good. But it was also like, Pete, teams aren't really running it on you. You know, you're getting, like, dudes who would be coming into the game or, like, a Kenyon Drake would come in the game and get, like, eight carries. I think Zeke got, like, single-digit carries or something like that. Like, Cam didn't even run it that much. Uh, Cam Newton, I mean. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, man, guys just – they're not running it on you. That's in part why your numbers are good. Uh, they, and you ha- Then you have to focus on, well, why aren't they running it? Well, because they can throw it all over you. So fix that, you know, and I think they've they've kind of adjusted with their with the trade for Carlos Dunlap. Uh, but yeah, it's it, I don't think it'll go that way though. If the Eagles have to get pass happy just because Carson Wentz is just he's man, he's really 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 bad. I blame Jadavion Clowney hitting him in the head. 
who's your X factor this weekend? Or on Monday, I should say, to, you know, kind of just, you know, flip the script on this game one way or another. Who do you think could uh, end up being kind of the game MVP? Uh, that's a good question. I usually I, I usually write that in my preview every every week. I haven't written my preview yet, so I have to think of one on the fly um, here. I would say Darius Slay um, off the top of my head, just because, I mean, if he takes DK out, we've seen what happens when DK is not involved, that these guys lose. They lose. They can lose to anyone. They lost to Arizona last year, and Brett Hundley was basically playing the whole second half. Why, why did it work in the CX when they scored 13 points? Well, DK didn't have a catch. Uh, even the first game against Arizona this year, and DK had – two catches and only one against Patrick Peterson. So yeah, if, if, so I guess the X factor can be Slayer DK, depending on, you know, which team you're rooting for. But I think just that matchup in general, will say a lot about how the game goes. Yeah. I'm that looking and Carson Wentz turning the ball over. I'm looking forward to that matchup because believe it or not, Darius Slay does not have a single interception this year. You know, I could, I could, I could see that interceptions are, um, like if for a cornerback, if you're doing your job, like if you're just doing what you're supposed to do, like do your technique and you know whatever scheme you guys play, you know as a as a uh, as a defense, you're not gonna naturally just get a bunch because if you're doing your job, the guys you are covering won't be open, you know. And like a smart corner, a smart quarterback ain't really gonna, you know, throw it your way. That's why I thought it was really impressive. Richard Sherman in 2013 was only targeted 64 times the entire season and had eight picks led the league. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, not only were people not throwing it at you when they did, you know, every eight times it was coming back. That's ridiculous. That's hard. It's hard to do. Um, so I, I think, I mean, Russell, Russell will test him, but Russ is another guy. It's like, Russ doesn't take many, you know, poor, poor risks. So I think, man, they, I don't know how many games the Eagles have left in NFC East. Like, he'll, he'll get a pick eventually playing those guys. Yeah, they got one more left against the Cowboys, and then they finish up with Washington, so... We'll see how that goes. And then they got the Saints, so we'll see if Taysom Hill finally crumbles. Cause... Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, turnovers are also a product of, like, how many bad like passes uh, come your way, too. So it's like uh, I watched that that Saints game. Taysom's just throwing ducks. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, he, he he underthrew Emmanuel Sanders by 15 yards. Uh, was, I've never – and Emmanuel still caught it. That was ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, no, Slay, Slay will get his chances. Yeah, it blew my mind that he didn't get one interception off of uh... – the pride of JMU Ben DiNucci a few weeks ago when they played on Sunday Night Football, but uh, we'll see. It's it's going to be a fun matchup. I'm excited for it, and uh, one thing's got to give. The Eagles are undefeated in primetime this year, and they also have not beaten the Seahawks since 2008, so one of those things will uh, come crashing down on Monday night. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think the Seahawks should win. They should actually win pretty pretty big, the more I think about it, just because they're pressuring the quarterback really well. I mean, they even when they got smoked by the Bills, like they sacked Josh Allen seven times. Like that is legit impressive. Josh didn't turn it over. That's a miracle. Uh, but I mean, even Kyler Murray, they got to him a few times and he didn't turn it over. Like eventually, those pressures are going to start resulting in turnovers. And who better to have that happen against than Carson Wentz? Exactly, Mike. Let everybody know where they can check your stuff out uh, for the Athletic. Follow you on Twitter and all that good stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Mike Dugar. Uh, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. All my work, I always tweet the link to everything there, too. Actually, we're running a Black Friday special through through Monday, actually, at The Athletic, where if you subscribe, it's a dollar a month for the year. 
because I was like, damn, that's kind of dope. That's so a bargain. Def- yeah, so definitely. And you get the whole site, too. I feel like I should explain that to more people. If you sign up to read to The Athletic because of me, that's great. But you get the whole site, like our UK coverage, golf, college basketball, whatever sport we cover, you get for that dollar. And boy, just Shield Capadia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely gets you all, all shields, great stuff. Uh, yeah, no, you get the whole site. So that's, uh, that, that's like the best pitch I can make. Absolutely, man. It's always a blast talking shop with you. And who knows if the Eagles end up winning this division and become the four seed in the playoffs, we might be talking shop again. Oh, man. Hopefully I get to travel by then, man. <laughs> I went to, I, I found a really good cheesesteak place last time in like, uh, it was like, uh, I forget what the name of it was, but it was in like Delaware County or something. Okay, good old Delco. Uh, uh, yeah, but it was oh, it was it was a little small little spot. You barely fit four people in there, but it was it was. They gave me an eighteen inch Philly. That was amazing. That's what it's all about, man. It's always a blast talking shop with you about these Seahawks, and uh, I'm looking forward to the game Monday. I'm sure we'll be talking about it soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right, there you have it, Eagles fans. My man, Michael Sean Dugar, spit nothing but facts on this episode. Uh, I I don't see a way, you know, with the Lane Johnson injury that came out uh, on Friday. It, Carson has always struggled without Lane Johnson in the lineup, and I just think this is just another instance where Pete Carroll – the Seahawks, they they just always have the Eagles number. They they have as an organization since two thousand eight. It's prime time. Uh, this this Eagles team is just not good, and I just don't see a way for for the Eagles to win this game unless they are two hundred percent, you know, locked in, focused, dialed in, and commit no turnovers don't do anything that that sacrifices the game for them and I they haven't done that all season so I just don't have a way to see this Eagles team winning this game you know they could prove me wrong I've been wrong before um so it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride Monday night football Eagles Seahawks at the link no fans in the stands obviously everybody stay safe don't do anything dumb, um, but I mean it. It's it's a tough it's a tough scene right now. This Eagles team is still continues to be banged up in, in so many different facets. It, it, it's just a very odd situation right now as we start this gauntlet stretch of four straight games against ridiculously incredible opponents. Um, and you know you kick it off with Russell Wilson and a team that you haven't beaten since two thousand eight. So. Like I said on the episode, and like I've been saying all week on Twitter, one thing's got to give. The Eagles are undefeated in primetime this year, and they haven't beaten the Seahawks since 2008. So one of those things will, you know, come to an end. One is good, one is bad. Um, And with the Washington football team winning on Thanksgiving, the Eagles are no longer in first place, and it kind of puts it in perspective. If, if the draft was today... The Eagles would have the number eight overall draft pick in the 2021 NFL draft. You know, it, there's a lot to weigh when it comes to this team, and um, you know, it's it's a pretty bad bad Seahawks defense. So anything could happen. 
But uh, that's what they play the games for. Shout out to my man, Michael Sean Dugar. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Mike Dugar. One of the best follows on Twitter uh, for anything Seahawks, NFL. He's just a fantastic follow. He does great pieces on The Athletic. Uh, so definitely check him out. Uh, can't thank him enough for taking time out of his busy schedule. And he is now the most uh, heard from guest on Eagles enemies outside of the divisional opponents we've had. So uh, a nice little accolade and feather in the cap for my man Mike Dugar. You can follow us on Twitter, guys, at UndergroundPHI, Twitter and Instagram, same handle. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, and subscribe to the podcast. If it's on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. Let me know how you're feeling about this Eagles team right now. Send your well wishes to Lane Johnson. Uh Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. Help us get to our end of year goal of 300 five-star ratings and reviews. It would mean the world to everybody here in the underground. And, of course, you can check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadioRadio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. And uh, we'll be back for another gauntlet game. Uh, following Monday Night Football, it, it does not get easier, folks. The, this Eagles season, this is the stretch that I knew we were going to just be doomed with. And uh, after this one, we get 425, so another primetime-ish game, late slate, at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Doesn't get easier. But uh, big shout-out to our sponsors. Tomahawk Shades, check out their Black Friday sales, treat yourself, and of course, our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash holiday, get 25% off and free shipping for their Black Friday sale, or use our promo code USP, get 20% off and free shipping uh, anytime. Again, big shout out to my man Mike Dugar, and... uh, It's going to be one hell of a Monday night for us Eagles fans. This has been another edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, KB, and as we always say, no matter what the situation is, it's Go Birds.